Okay, so um, Andrea, I'm going to test your skills today okay, so that you can get the scripture up in time. So um, we're going to look at uh, Luke 19 and nine, uh, chapter 19, verse 13 to 27. And we're specifically going to look at the bit that says, Do business till I come. The, um, <clears throat> it's interesting, the more we learn about God, the more we learn that God's wisdom applied to anything in life is a recipe for success. That's what we sing about all the time. Um, and Jesus tells us that it's even good for business. Um, but it does depend on what your definition of success actually is. Um, if you just want to do what you want to do, if you want an easy, uninventful life, then maybe that isn't the recipe for you. If you want a fulfilled life, full of purpose, full of hope, and then God does promise all of us that. It's his gift to us if we come to him and let him take the reins Amen. and let him teach us his will. Now, I don't know about anyone else, but for me, believing in that is a process. Yeah? I find it almost mind-blowing that we have this God who is so awesome and powerful. The weight of the glory of God. Uh, I was just looking at Psalms. Like we, we, you can pick pretty much any Psalm and we hear about how incredible God is. And all things are held together by God. Everything was created by his word. He's timeless. There's nothing too big for him. How can we, such a fleshly, almost the opposite of that, <laughs> how can we absorb something so momentous? And, and this popped into my head today. Mark's doing some, well, our pastor is doing some uh, management consultancy at our work. And I spoke to a colleague this week um, to whom Mark had given his testimony the day before. And I asked him what he thought. And he said, well, that evening he went to, to rugby and talked to his uh, colleagues and friends at rugby and says, well, uh, today I found out something quite interesting. Either the living God exists or Mark's a few sandwiches short of a picnic. And I was like, well, which, which one are you going to choose? He's, he's getting taught <laughs> from Mark. It's a really interesting one. And when I asked him, what are you going to choose? And he said, well, I'm agnostic. So, okay, you can't be agnostic when you've confronted with two opposite, polar opposite facts. What are you going to choose? He said, I'm agnostic and I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable there. Um, and that doesn't make sense, frankly. There's, and this is a bright guy. And this is someone that, you know, who's got a degree in physics for, for crying out loud. And, um, and even he agreed that, yeah, that's ridiculous. He does have a choice to make, but he's not going to make it at the moment. 
Um, either you have proof or you don't have proof that God exists, yeah? Even Jesus said, you're either with me or against me. You can't be both with me and against me. So in the end, yeah, he said that he just didn't want to make the decision. He likes being ag agnostic because it, it's just easy for him. It's on his terms. And we, whether we know it or not, we all serve a Lord. The question is whether we serve the Lord. The Lord of Lord and the Kings of Kings. Whether he knows it or not, he serves the Lord. We look at Josiah 24.15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods the Amorites in whose land you are living. <clears throat> but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord God. How ludicrous and almost sad is it that people choose not to serve this God that they've experienced, that they've seen, is real, even though it's not in their life. I think in his heart he knows, but the impact of the revelation is too much for him to cope with at this moment in time. And my friends, this is the business of God, yeah? Sowing seeds, trying to change the way people think so that they can draw nearer to God, then going back and watering them whenever we get the chance whenever the opportunity arises. Sometimes God creates the opportunity. Sometimes we create the opportunity. Both are valid. We'll learn later that both are valid. We're to pray for a revival um, and we are to work for revival Amen. at the same time. This is the business God wants us in. Not monetary profit, but the profit of souls is the focus. The business is to try to generate an overall increase in faith in the people we know and we speak to. The increase is generated from us letting Jesus work in us. He promises that if we come to him, he will fill us so that we can't not let God flow through us. Yeah, in John 7, Verse 37, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, I love it, I could, could you imagine, you just mind your own business and then this man stands up and just says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Some people will have probably mocked that. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So I read that and think, okay, that sounds nice. Well, what's he, what, what as the scriptures have said? So what, what scriptures talk to us about this? So just briefly want to have a look at what scriptures were. Deuteronomy 18.18. 18. Well, we'll start a fifth... Well, we'll, this, is, this is Moses basically prophesying Jesus. And Moses says, the Lord your God will raise up from you a prophet like me, from your midst, from your brethren. 
Him you shall hear according to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let, let me see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I have commanded him and it shall be that whoever will not hear my words which he speaks in my name I will require it of him so this is we talk about Jesus and this is telling us that the words come straight from God and if we look at Isaiah 12 2 Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah the Lord is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in this day you will say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the peoples make mention that his name is exalted sing to the lord and again isaiah 44 3 we get a bit more specific now for i will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground i will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. They will spring up among the grass like willows by the watercourses. One will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Another will write with his hand the Lord's and name himself by the name of Israel. And then if we just look at 55, Isaiah 55. This is titled, An Invitation to an Abundant Life. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you, who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in, 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 in abundance. So, God has been telling the human race for thousands of years that it's more important to nourish our souls than it is to nourish the flesh. Because our bodies perish and our souls last forever. Now, why, why is this so unbelievable? Why is it so staggering that this, this living water, that lives will change as a result of just drawing near to Jesus? Well, we live in dark times. We do live in dark times and the knowledge of our forefathers has been assaulted on all sides, mainly by, in this age, political correctness and the spirit of the Antichrist. How much do we see, how much do we as people need this blood 
the, the soul-saving blood of Christ and the power of the name of Jesus in our lives. We cannot resist this tide, this affront on God on our own, on ourselves in our own strength. We need to draw near to Jesus so we can get that strength. We need to drink of what Jesus is promising us rather than drinking from the things of the world. Jesus said, let anyone who is thirsty come and drink. So how many of us truly come to Jesus and stay long enough to drink from him? How often do we just have a quick prayer? We build Jesus around our lives, our existing commitments. How often do we pay our respects before getting on with watching the telly or doing something else once we've ticked the box of coming to Jesus? How can we nourish? How can we let Jesus nourish us if we don't stay with him long enough to drink? More than that, how can, because if you don't believe in Jesus, how can unbelievers go to Jesus and drink? He promises it to everyone, but there's less likelihood of an unbeliever coming to Jesus. Think about it, if God, only God is offering an eternal fountain of water of life freely to him who wants it. Everyone has a soul and therefore everyone thirsts for something. But only Jesus can satiate that thirst forever, as long as we keep going to him. This is why the commandments in the Old Testament are so important, right? They... They are God's expectations for us. So God has given us, this is how you should live. And then Paul tells us, well, it's the very awareness of that which drives people to sin. But think about it, if we don't know what God's standards are in the first place, how can we ever begin to repent? How can we turn around our lives and say, yes, Lord, we follow your way. We need to be aware of God's standards. And this is one of the problems in the world. If you just believe in randomness, random mutations and time, there are no standards. We make it up as we go along. We're the top of the tree. There's no one better than us. So we make up whatever we want. And we see the mess that that gets people into. The commandments remind us how sinful we are and our complete inadequacy. <laughs> to deal with that ourselves, to ever meet those standards that God put before us. They remind us that we need God, that we need a saviour, that we need to repent daily. We who know God, and we who know the will of God, appreciate the value of Jesus in this process. Therefore, we have to be rivers of flowing water, because how else will anyone get a taste of the living water and decide to come to Jesus and drink if they've never heard of where the fountain is or what the possibilities of that fountain might be or what the water could do in your life how could they ever know and this is why it's so unbelievable I was uh, 
was doing a bit of research on tablets that can improve your brain and intelligence uh, this week. And often the, the, the feedback is, if it was that good, the whole world would be taking them. And this is the problem we have. Jesus is good and the whole world isn't taking Jesus. That's how powerful the battle is. That's how little we are doing as Christians to speak the word of God into the world. And this is the business that God wants us in. God is searching for people to stand in the gap between these people that have never heard and where the fountain is. Signposts, light. Yeah, we've seen it in the Bible. And he needs us to stand in the gap so that people can experience Jesus without having to believe in him. Sounds strange. But Paul urged that supplications, prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people as God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Why? Well, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. That is why people find it difficult to believe. That's why not everybody is doing it, even though it's true. But we are told we have the power to overcome this. God's given us that. Our testimony defeats the devil. And it's not only our spoken testimony, it's our living testimony. We are all living testimonies of how this water flows through us into other people's lives. And they can just jump in. They can get wet just by sitting next to us, just by talking to them, just by asking them a question. Anything, they will change. They will experience that water. There's no way they can't. The manifestation of God is the changed lives, the changed thinking and the outlook that comes from being born again, spirit-filled, children of God. The flowing of the word from our lips changes lives forever. Have you ever thought what gives the seed the increase? So we plant the seed and it grows. We go back and we water it. What do we water it with? The flowing river of water. It's the activity. It's the things we do. It's the business of God. With faith, even more than changed lives is possible. As Job explains, the power, Job explains, the power of water on earth. Job explains how it moulds the landscape. And it's the living water from Jesus that shapes and moulds our souls, our lives. If you look at Job 14, verse 18. But as a mountain erodes and crumbles, and as a rock is moved from its place, as water wears away stones and torrents wash away the soil, so you destroy a person's hope. Don't worry. You overpower them once for all, and they are gone. You change their countenance and send them away. So we're talking about repentance, change, destroy their hope in themselves, in the world. 
If their children are honoured, they do not know it. If their offspring are brought low, they do not see it. They feel the pain of their own bodies and mourn only for themselves. Whether we accept God or not, he's still there, working everything for the good of those who love him. A generation from now, just think about it, a generation from now, how much can we change? Ten generations from now, where would anybody remember us? Maybe. Some might say, who cares? So we can't do much. The, the darkness of history is an interesting aspect. However, the living water is always there. Do you see what I mean? That is always there. And all we are doing, trying to do, is signpost where that living water is with our flesh and the life we have. It's always ready to mould us and work us into trees of righteousness. It's our choice whether we come and drink the word and spirit of God and let it work in us to the glory of God. Paul puts it better in, in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, when that church received the word of God, you, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe that. These are the eternal truths. Whatever we think, whatever people think in this world, these are eternal truths of life. God's word will work in us. They will never change. We might want them to change. <laughs> might make life a bit easier, yeah? If we just went with the flow. We might try to ignore them, but it doesn't change the truth. We have to remember that. In effect, we're power, powerless to change the truth. We just choose to go forth in God, forth to God in faith and trust his words, or we draw back in ignorance or distraction further away from God. That's the only choice we have. We're one-dimensional. We draw nearer or we go back. And what, what the Bible tells us is that you can't stand still. As soon as you think you're standing still, you're actually falling back because of all this work that's going on, yeah? If it's not the business of God, what is it the business of that you, by default, we're born into? The parables of Jesus teach eternal truths. I love the parables. Does everybody else like the parables? Every time you read them, you get something else out of them. There are, and therefore they're so accessible, especially because they use practical examples from the time which we can still understand. And we know that God came in the form of man to teach us about his kingdom and the way to get there. And these everyday examples that Jesus used to teach us these principles, they were taught in a way that anyone could understand as long as you went there and listened. You came and you listened. So let's, let's talk a bit more about business then. If we look in the Gospel of Luke, and we're back to 1913, and also uh, there's a similar one in Matthew 25, verses, verses, verse 14. Jesus is talking about business. Most business exists to make a profit, 
And then another way of looking at profit is what's left at the end. When all's said and done, what have we got left over? You want to be asking that about your life. And we'll look at the scripture. And we're going to do a bit of scripture. So we'll start at 19. Because this is brilliant. I love this. Uh, Luke. Luke 19. Uh, sorry, Luke. Yeah, 1919, I think it is. Zacchaeus. Jesus comes to Zacchaeus's house. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was the chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was. That's all he wanted to do. He wanted to see who this Jesus was that he'd heard about. But he couldn't. Because of the crowd. For he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, Jesus looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. <laughs> so he made haste and, and came down and received him joyfully. Wow. It's a bit different to my colleague at work. <laughs> he received him joyfully, but when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He's gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, 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 look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he is a son, because, he, because also he is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that what was lost. And then we go straight into this parable. So bear that in mind when we look at the parable. Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable so straight away. Because he was near Jerusalem, and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear. They thought it was going to happen immediately because of what Jesus had just done and said, he's forgiving sins. Um, He's saving people. He said the kingdom of God is at hand. But God's plan hadn't yet come to fruition. As we learn in the parable, Jesus had to leave this earth to receive the kingdom of God following his resurrection. And in the meantime, he expects us to be doing something. Well, okay, we're still in the meantime, everybody. So if we pick up on 12, therefore he said, and this is the parable, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered them 10 miners each and said to them, do business till I come. So this is a gift. They were servants deserving of nothing, but the nobleman graciously gave them this 10 miners each. They were willing to take the gift. None of them said, no, I don't want the gift. But were they all willing to do something with the gift? Remember, faith without works is dead. But his citizens, not his servants, his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. <laughs> and, and so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he'd given the money 
to be called to him, that he might know how much every man has gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Master, your miner has earned ten miners. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your miners earned five miners. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your miner, which I have kept, put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you, because you are an austere man, you collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked, wicked servant. So God judges us by how we judge others. You know, you knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? That at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten miners. But they said to him, Master, he has ten miners already. For I say to you that to anyone who has, be, who has to, anyone, to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, and slay them before me. They are the citizens in the first place. So, there's layers of meaning there. God used parables based around business, so we could see it's our job to do something with our time. That there is supposed to be growth and profit coming from our lives and what we do. Not just financial, but something more long-term than that. Jesus came to show us that, king, that God's kingdom is a spiritual kingdom and that for us to access this kingdom we need to put God first. We have to seek God first and then start the process of loving others as we love ourselves. Both are easier said than done. And that's for a reason. God wants us set apart. The things that Jesus asks us to do sound easy, but it's that battle of the spirit against the flesh. People are so easily distracted, and God knows that, which is why he tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God. I can testify that if we wait until the end of the day to seek our God, he's still there, but I might not be. We're more likely to mess, miss out on our time with God, and the world distracts us, steals our time, or we get tired. As a church, we talk about planning. So in business, Good planning is part of the game. You know, it's, you're halfway there if you can just do what you say you're going to do. But there's no reason why a church shouldn't be the same. If Jesus used good business principles for the church, for his people, then we should be able to take that too for the purposes of the kingdom. Time management, principles of organisation. In order to seek God first, we need to find mechanisms that can help. A simple one is using a diary, but we can also plan out our days, our weeks, our months. 
What do we want to achieve by coming to church all the time? We spend a lot of time here. There's got to be a purpose for it. God wants us to be productive. That's what he's telling us. Not just to go with the flow. Productive in our own way. And this is one of the key things I can see God wants from his people, which I call Christians. Uh, he wants us switched on. He wants us alive and doing things. He doesn't want us to go through life without a care, constantly seeking pleasure. In fact, he wants us to have cares so we can learn to trust him. He wants us active. He wants us to get more from the time we have on this planet. And if more ends when our physical lives end, then we don't know our God. I love, I love these principles that come out. Clearly Jesus wants us to put to work everything he's given us. We so often just talk about the money, which is irrelevant for Jesus. It's important to us to get rid of that chain. But God, we've been given so much more. He wants us to make a profit. He want, he's invested a soul, yeah? Our soul is that mina. How many minas are we going to have to show for that at the end? But don't worry. He's given us some, some little, I wouldn't say tricks, but little tips to help us get more from our mina. I hope I'm saying it right, by the way. Mina, mina. Um, freely give as you have freely received. Now, we're talking about meditation. That is of, uh, an instruction worthy of some serious meditation. What have we freely received? Hmm. Following on from the example of the meaners, Jesus goes on to say the following in verse 47. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows but the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows from everyone who has been given much much will be demanded and from one who has been entrusted with much much more will be asked and what does the bible say is the best way about going to make a profit well you probably won't like the sound of this Hard work. Proverbs 14, 23. All hard work brings a profit. So if we want to profit in the kingdom, we've got to be hard workers in the kingdom. If we want to profit in business, we've got to figure out the rules and work hard at business. It's where your treasure lies. Mere talk only leads to poverty. That's not me, that's the second half of the proverb. We are to be doers, people. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Yes, if we're filled with his spirit, he can help us in supernatural ways. For example, renewing our minds, giving us more intelligence than we had before, changing the way we think so that we naturally become more aware of how we spend our time and also of the lies in the world. Also, naturally knowing the will of God. Is this my will? Is this your will? That discernment comes from the living water. God promises to revive and refresh us if we draw near to him. I can't tell you how many times I've been tired all day, get back from work, the kids are kicking off, 
everything's running late I'm knackered and then it's Bible study and I'm thinking just want to go to just want to go to bed it it goes in my mind so often I'm a bit jealous the kids get to go to bed like half past seven I am going to do it one day I'm going to go to bed at half past seven and wake up at the same time but every time I say no I know now that's the flesh that is my flesh stopping me doing something that is profitable for my soul and I can testify every single time I've swallowed that I go I get the refreshing and I'm better for it for the week and all of that builds my faith I can see God working in me it's amazing and everybody else so we need to be active ask anyone Christian or not and they will probably tell you that man is supposed to be doing things there's a certain activity behind what people do it's plain to see that we've been given a creative spirit yeah the stuff we can do is, is absolutely amazing and and we can apply that to lots of different things yes there are mathematicians who will tell you that just getting out and driving down the road will increase your chances of death well we see the spiritual damage that spiritual inactivity causes in loneliness depression all kinds of abuse where people try to fill that fill that gap and replace the living water of Christ it's very hard to deliberately be much worse than the average <laughs> I was thinking about this at school so so I work in engineering and take a typical submarine it's only as strong as the weakest point in that boat well what if you're the weakest part of our church <laughs> I remember from school that classmates were all streamed by ability and people work best in groups typically and by associating with people with higher ability my ability increased it did if I'm bottom I get dragged up and if you're with and if you're the weakest part we're, we're all blessed and who is better than us Jesus Amen. every time we go it's hard to stay where we stand every time we go towards Jesus and drink some of this living water you can't not learn something you can't not slightly change but isolating ourselves from each other from God and not thinking through who we spend our time with and whether this will contribute to the profit I want from my life well that's what God wants us thinking about how are we using the gifts that he's given us this is why we come to church this is why we become open-minded to be able to learn from those who currently have more ability or experience than we do and I am sorry there's no way around this we are to be salt and light speaking these truths in the dark world so the darkness is there it's whether we want to light it up or not God promises us that some seeds will fall on the fertile ground and that the fields are white ready for harvest so if we keep telling people about what we have learnt then there will be some souls saved I actually went to, went to the football for the first time in ages last week I had to get a taxi all the way back from Wolverhampton 
with my friends that I've invited to the Truth Reveal course several times and so I had half an hour just to teach them about the entire plan of salvation and the New Testament and it was brilliant, he's asking questions and he's followed up with a few more questions I'm like this is fantastic anyway we dropped him off the taxi driver then starts asking questions this is what happens when you, when you talk so whenever you get anywhere with Mark this kind of thing happens and the taxi driver said wow is that true yes so it gave him one of the business cards follow up with the taxi driver and this is the thing we never know what's going to happen next we don't know what's going to happen in the next minute or so we just know what we can do now and we can just use our mouths use our gobs talk about Jesus you never know who's listening half the time it's through us our own faith talking it through doing these FAQs it's an amazing faith building exercise trying to think of all the things that are against the Bible you know think of any weakness that you could ever think of about the Bible David you come up with a good one this week but just by trying to research that you think crikey because our whole faith hinges on this book so it's important we trust it so we'll draw to an end now sorry but what I want you to think of, if we go back to the parable and uh, the master or the king, we'll call it Jesus, uh, said, why didn't you just put your miner in the bank? Why did you hide it? Well, why, <laughs> what do banks do? Banks generate profit, don't they? Literally every bank, you'd have to be a really bad bank manager because money makes money. We might not be able to do all the things now, but he shows us a way how we can invest our miner in something that will generate a profit for that as well. Just, does that make sense? So we've got this soul. We can invest that. If we can see someone else is more likely to get more souls now, we can invest that soul. We could still do something with it we benefit there's there's more faith out there the principle of the parable is saying that nothing is not an option nothing is worth worse than going backwards we need to do something with what we've been given and this is something I've mentioned in the past about Christianity how can we do business if we never go to the market so we've got to go to the market to use what we've done. If we stay in churches, if we, if we only ever talk to save people, how can we generate the profit? I don't want to be talking to save people. I want to be talking to people what I can see a change in their lives where God can get into them. So I want to leave you with a word of encouragement from John 7, verse 17. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Now this is, this is a challenge. This is a challenge to test the word of God. It's a challenge of our faith. It's an easy math method to ascertain whether our Lord's words about God himself and the future are merely words or really are 
the power of God. Be willing to do as he says. Stand prepared to fulfill whatever is revealed to your mind through the scriptures and witnessed to by the Holy Spirit. Let your face, live with your face towards that dawn. Faith in the gospel doesn't come by logic, but as a result of obeying the highest truth you know. And there is none higher than the living God. Keep going, keep seeking the truth, keep doing the Lord's business. Follow on and your path will lead you out to where Jesus stands, the revealed Son of God and the Saviour of men. And he will fill you with rivers of living water. And no one will thirst. Father, Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I know there's a lot to get our chops into there. But Lord, your word never comes back void. Your word is so important to us. And we know that you work through that, Father. You're working in us now, Lord. Let nothing go astray. Let these seeds find fertile soil. Help us do what you want us to do, Father, with what you've given us. Let your will be done, not just on earth as it is in heaven, but in our hearts as it is in heaven. Let us glorify your mighty name through not just what we think, not just what we say, but what we do. The living name of Jesus through no other way may man be saved except for the name of Jesus, that clothing of righteousness, that perfect salvation. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this blessing. Father, keep us this week. Watch over us and protect us and help us share that river. Help us share that good news, Lord, that there is hope, that there isn't darkness. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.